Hello, beautiful people. This is Flash Black Radio, and we are the usual suspects. To my left, I have Miss Takia Richardson. Hello. To my right, I have Mr. Slim Williams. Cheers. And on the line, we have Ms. Christy Hunt. Hey, friends. And I am Da Vinci Parks, a.k.a. Lee Bennett III, and this is Shit You Might Have Missed. So, very quickly, we've been away for a little bit, but that's because uh, our good friend Slim is also a poetry host, among many other things. And on Fourth Mondays, he hosts a set over at an undisclosed location in Shirlington, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a secret? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to give away no free sponsorship? Well, well, here's the thing. Like, here's the thing. Like, you know, they might not agree with some of the stuff we might say on this show. They might not. You know, here's the thing. We don't don't want to cross-pollinate unless you want to cross-pollinate. In that case, you can go ahead and say what you got to say. Hey, look, just hit me up as Slim Williams on Facebook and you get all the information you need. Yeah, you might need to tell me how to spell Slim Williams. They yeah. might spell it with like two L's. Like, they call me S Double. Slim Williams. I, nobody calls you S Double. I call you Slim. Nobody calls you S Double. There are people that call me S Double. Okay. All right. Call Jonathan. Call Jonathan. The voices in your head do not count. Jonathan calls me S Double. And he's a real person who picks real peaches. That is true. He does pick peaches. Real what? peaches. Yes. yes. It's, a, it's a story we'll have to tell you offline about yeah, how yeah, our yeah. good friend, like, you know, intentionally pitch peaches. He picked peaches. I tried to say that a couple of times. He picked peaches intentionally for uh, you know this this date like situation, yeah. but there was no payoff after picking peaches. Yeah. He Nor picked did peaches. He expect one. Like like his, that, that's what makes him. That's what makes him a unique individual. He did not expect to pay off. Like the average dude is like, if I'm gonna go to an orchard and pick peaches, I'm gonna get some peaches. I, I want that cobbler. That's all. <laughs> I'm trying to get that saying, I kind of want to be late if I have to go to an orchard to pick peaches. And that's why we have Christy <laughs> as part of the usual suspects. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. She doesn't, she doesn't beat around the bush. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like peaches, like a double on time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what you did there. That was, that was, that was quasi clever. Yeah, um, okay, all right. No, that was good. That was good stuff. Man. I, know, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Just trying so, to be great. Anyway, so <laughs> so on on in this format, very quickly, ladies and gentlemen, we pretty much introduce stories, topics, ideas, or general conversation that you may or may not be up on. Uh, but we try to you know keep the conversation very open, very free free flowing, and of course, very honest. Um, the conversation that is introduced often is unscripted and un, uh, we don't discuss it beforehand. So it's not like I know what Taki is going to present. I don't know what Slim's going to present. They don't know what I'm going to talk about. So without further ado, we're going to open up the stage to talk about uh, some, some ideas that we talked about and see what happens. So thank you for tuning in. This is Shit You Might Have Missed on Flash Black Radio. Let's get it. Slim, see you over there with the, the phone, bro. What's S-double. Yes, S-Double, what do you have? I've been officially called S-Double by two people now. It's yeah. fantastic. Three if you count Jonathan. Well, he picked Peaches. So it's, like, it's like a demerit. It's like, it's like, <laughs> I get you docked lost points the person. because he picks Peaches. Well, he, he I get, get docked. He actually gets docked. But it's, it's lovingly docked, though. It's just like, you know, you know that's, he's, he's not getting... You know what? I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> that's I'm my, stop that's right my there. brother right there. Yeah, that's my brother, too. That's, yeah, that's brother. why I can do it. But Who actually what? went to Paisley Park. I see, see picture of him, pictures of him on uh, on, on the, the Ye Old Book of Faces. Yes. At oh Paisley Park. God. Yeah, he's yes. having a jolly old time. Wow. 
Good for him. See, Johnson's a guitarist, so going very to see good going to Paisley Park see, is a look at a big, all these additions to Jonathan. We were subtracting oh, because yeah. he went to an no, orchard. He subtracts from himself. Yeah, that, that's that's really what he is. has depth. Oh, yeah, he yeah, has yeah, dimension. Yeah, yeah. But then but, he picks peaches and then okay. like yeah, yeah. takes a dimension. Yeah, and, and, and goes home afterwards <laughs> <laughs> without oh, the cobbler. Oh, these are great peaches. Huh? I can't wait to get know. some of that cobbler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta get that cobbler. That's all I'm saying. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to <clears throat> throw out there that Slim is married. So just <laughs> throw that out there. And you know I gets that cobbler. Uh, again, like ladies and gentlemen, I just want to throw out there. <laughs> So if you run up on him at the undisclosed location in Sherlington, don't try to throw your cobbler at him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a is my cobbler comes from a very specific pan from a specific orchard. Yeah, yeah. It's home source. Oh yeah, and if you try to give him that cobbler, it's gonna be an angry orchard. You don't want that problem. You see what she just did. You see what she just did. Here's the thing: we not getting no money from them, so like we're gonna edit that out. I'm sure. Now go ahead. Now real talk. What's, what's, uh, what's oh your, man! Your so I've been trying to pick a topic. I have so many topics, and so pick the good one. Um, <laughs> they're all good. Yeah, so you uh, said they're all good except for the one I'm probably ultimately going to pick, right? Probably. Uh, That's life. Uh, so one thing I've been thinking about is religion, right? People. So, okay. A lot of people have accumulated disdain for religions. And let's not point out a specific religion. Let's just take religions as a whole. Scientology? Um, you could say Scientology, Christianity, Christianity. Islam. I wouldn't say Scientology. <laughs> it's just easy. And Mormonism? No, I'm just joking. Go ahead. Seriously. Go I ahead. think... So I've when I was in college, I took a lot of you know class. Even though I was a graphic design major, when I took electives, I took stuff like philosophy of religion because it's always been an interest of mine. I grew up uh, as a Christian, even though um, I don't I don't practice any religion now. Um, but I was I've always been interested in religion, so I studied them, and I've all I've found like the tenets of many religions, most religions are good tenets. Like you could structure your life around the tenets in a religion. Are the tenets or the tenets? The the tenets. Not not like the live the people who live in the religion. Like no the, the, the tenets, the principles. Okay. Let's let's say principles. This is a less confusing term. Uh yeah, I'm slow man. I get easily distracted. <laughs> I'm sorry. The principles of a religion. So do people I wonder if people are so uh, disenfranchised by religions solely because of the people, the people, the practitioners of the religion and not the religion itself. Like I've been thinking a lot about that. How much of how people be, you know, be people, the religion loses its luster for a lot of people uh, as a result of interactions with, or even just watching people who proclaim that religion. Mm-hmm. Who do things in the name of that religion, uh, and they are people uh, who don't represent the religion well, and as a result, the religion loses uh, it loses luster. Uh, that's the only term that's coming to mind right now. Okay, so I've been thinking about that. Been thinking a lot about that. Okay, lately, um, I, I've 
given thought to this topic on many occasions. And one of the things that I, I think is pretty consistent across the board, at least in my observation slash estimation, is that unfortunately, I think a lot of individuals, I will say, tend to approach and present their argument as though they are the only ones who have the answer. Mm. And if you do not do it in the way that they do it, then you are without hope or without redemption. And I think for those who tend to look at things uh, without necessarily being, I'll say, swayed by popular thought or the way someone should approach a quote-unquote religion, uh, if you're looking at it just from a I don't know, analytical perspective, you know, if you're going to tell me that I should do it like a, a Christian, however, there are so many denominations and sects within Christianity, sex as an S E C T S yeah. ladies and gentlemen, just you know, sex with attendance. No, no, yes, no. In, indeed. So when you, when you get down to that, then it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, you can't even agree in terms of what type of Christian you're going to be. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, like the way Catholicism views Christianity and how you approach it uh, and how a seven day Adventist Adventist, excuse me, or a African American AME, African Methodist, Episcopal or uh, Presbyterian. Uh, there are so many different ways to approach Christianity. Same thing right. for Judaism, same right. thing for Islam, it, you know, <clears throat> My father uh, just came back from China. He was saying that like a lot of people in China don't even view Buddhism as a religion, mm. which is I've always heard of Buddhism as a religion, right? You know, so like it. it I think it's it's always going to come down to the individual. There is a group perspective, but that group perspective is not even agreed upon. So it's going to eventually come down to how you interpret it as an individual. I would I would say right. So we can all take the same text of bible we could take the same passage from the islam i mean from the torah or you know the quran you know we can look at the same lines of text and come up with different interpretations of that text right and then live our lives based upon those things and we can all theoretically live good lives right i think the conflict comes in when we then say well this is the way and the only way to do it and then we beat other people up for not believing as we believe and I think, I mean, ultimately, my personal perspective towards religion is God, if you believe in God, I do. Um, God has religion is a tool, right? God is, you know, universal. So I think God has a very big toolbox. And like, you know, it's whatever religion that helps you access and commune with God in a way that is healthy for you to do so. So be it. I mean, but I don't think there's any personally, this is just my perspective. I don't think there's any one way to get to God. Why would there be? That's just my perspective. Now, other people might view it differently. You know? Yeah. Um, well, my perspective on religion is that um, for as many different practitioners of a particular belief that there are, that's however many versions of that belief that exist. 
because like since he was saying sorry lee like lee was saying like nobody agrees on how to interpret the text nobody agrees you know a hundred percent on the right way to do a ritual that's why there are all these different versions and so i think that it's good to have an understanding of what people have as a, as an overview of, you know, their faith, um, just by, you know, them being able to say, well, I'm this or I'm that. But I think that really um, each person interprets everything differently, especially on a personal level. And then, you know, people live accordingly or not. Um, and so... It's not just that nothing is a monolith, but I think that faith is so personal that it can only be whatever that particular person believes that you can apply to them and no one else. Word. That's my thought. I think one of the things that gives me pause is the most disgusting people are the loudest, the most disgusting people in the religion. Um, and that's not just a religious phenomenon. Well, this is true. <laughs> that, that's just a perspective phenomenon, yes. right? Yeah, but I feel you. But yeah, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sleepy and I forgot where it's going. Oh, no, you're just saying somewhere. that the most disgusting people are the loudest in the room. Yeah, that's that's far. That was the point. There was a second point. But oh, okay, well, you know, he didn't wait two beats. He I didn't, didn't wait. I didn't wait one, two, two seconds. I didn't yeah. count to two. I that's didn't okay. count to two. Now, now you now you live in our life. Everybody gets one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I take I take many. <laughs> oh, got it. So there was um an article a few weeks ago um that was talking about how younger people and I don't remember if it was specifically to black people or just people of all races, but younger I think it was black people, um, aren't as focused on the 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 church and participating in religion because we no longer feel like we need to like go and make these prayers to God to make it better because we've made these strides in our lives and, you know, things have gotten quote unquote better for us and we don't need to lay everything on the altar. That's pretty much the end of that. Yes. They're um, the millennial nuns. So they're, they're people who have no particular faith affiliation at all. And not only do they not have a faith affiliation, but they do not desire one um, most often. And um, I think that that phenomenon comes from the fact that a lot of people, especially younger people, are aware of the great harm that religion is capable of doing. Um, and I think that there are a lot of rules that a lot of older practitioners may subscribe to that just aren't compatible for them. I mean, you know, when you have, like, gay, lesbian, uh, you know, LGBTQI, trans, like, all of that, like, when you have, you know, religions that are exclusionary of people as we are becoming more inclusionary in society, um, I think that religion has to figure out, many religions, traditional religions, are going to have to figure out how are you going to get people to walk through your doors, um, without telling everybody they're going to hell. I mean, like, case in point is Mormons. So the Mormons have decided that, like, they will no longer baptize the children of um, people who have gay and lesbian parents because 
in order for them to be baptized, they have to renounce their parents, which means they won't baptize them till they're 18, at which point in time they have to renounce the people who have loved and cared for them for the majority of their lives. Mm. So then that, that, I think that kind of goes back to like my original thought, right? Like, and I, you've all kind of spoken to it is, is it the religion itself that would cause someone to turn away or is it the practicers of the religion? And that's where primarily where my thoughts have been. It hasn't been really necessarily about the religions because like all religions have great things about them in the principles, all things religion, all religions have like flaws in them, right? All religion, the religions are wrought with, with contradiction and like there's a lot of holes in religion. But if right. you can take the good and kind of deal with the, the problems kind of like compartmentalize the problems then it just comes down to how are the practitioners of that religion how are they conduct conducting themselves are they being consistent with the principles that they espouse and things like well, that and what kind of impact does that have on other people i, I who, think i think the issue with most religions that we know about is that they um they revolve around texts and the issue with any given text is that the reader gets to interpret it the way they want to. Well, and I, I so, think, and that it was all that it was not, written thousands of years ago. Well, I, right. I think there's, right. I think there's right. another problem. element in that. I think there's another element in that that, um, to me, and this is this is actually one of my big turnoffs in terms of organized religion. And and, and uh, first of all, I want to make it very clear. Um, I was also raised in a predominantly, well, not predominantly. I was raised in a Christian household. Um, I was raised in a, in a, uh, I hate to say the term broken home. My mother and father divorced when I was very young, just to be out there with it. Um, my mother um, went from different church denominations and things like that, but is always in a Christian. You know, she just looked for a good church home. That's just how my mother rocked. My father was in the same Presbyterian church as before I was born. Okay, so I've seen many different churches and structures and all that. And I I think that a lot of times it comes down to, it's not just the practitioners. There's also a, a sense of, of, to be honest, laziness with a lot of the people who consider themselves practitioners of a faith, because uh, it's very hands off. They'll go and they'll, whatever their spiritual leader says, Mm -hmm. then they just say, okay, that's cool. And that's what they run with. Right. So I'm going to give you a personal story. Um, I was in a, this was not my church. There, there was a relative who, uh, went to this church and they actually, uh, frequented this church. And I went there to visit. It was like, Hey, come out, check out this church. And I got to the church and the bishop of this church, one, um, (laughs) was in the pulpit, like, uh, excoriating faggots. Like he was saying that in Mm -hmm. the church, in the pulpit. He was like dead, like serious. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was also a bishop that was, uh, you know, he tried to shame a woman who was in a wheelchair. You know, that's the devil keeping you in the wheelchair. And if, you know, if God was in you, you would get up a walk. So either she's got the devil in her for sitting in that chair or she gets up and starts walking. He's a faith healer. Right. You know, uh, right. and also, this is also a guy that sat in there um, in a church um, on this particular time took collection and after they counted collection he came back and said uh we just took collection uh 
Look around you. You, you like this carpet? We just had this carpet put in over the weekend. Cost twenty thousand mm. dollars. So we're gonna pass this collection plate around again until we make that twenty thousand dollars back. And he said that like straight. Like here's the thing. And like you know, like 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 here's the thing. That's not every church home. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it's not. And that that might sound extreme to some people. That might not might not sound extreme. But this is just like real talk. Like like that is the type of stuff that gets out there, man. So it's kind of like you know if this is the type of person. I'm, here's the thing. I, I know this is probably not the most popular thing to do because there are a lot of people who dig the guy or whatever. But like I'm just saying from the very few YouTube clips I've seen of one Creflo dollar, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not that prosperity preaching and like dancing around on money in the pulpit. I'm not I'm not feeling that. I'm I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Now that's just me. And here's the thing, I'm not fully like, you know, in depth in knowledge with what the cat does, mm-hmm. but from what I've seen. That to me don't look like God. I mean, and I, and and there there lies what you were saying because yeah. like his perspective, you know what I'm saying. That just, might turn a lot of people off from like Christianity in general, right? If they look at somebody like him and see that you know they they he has people he has attendees at his church, members of his church, probably not doing as well as he's doing. Paying for his jet. Paying for him to get a new G5. Right. A new G5 right. when he already has one. Right. Right. And then you have also, to take another tack, you have uh, people who profess uh, that it's godly to treat people the right way, to treat people with respect, to speak to people in a respectful manner, and to you know treat people equally. And then they say, I'm endorsing Donald Trump for president. Right. Somebody who has been like a prime example that that is the antithesis of everything they espouse you're supposed to do in your religion. And uh, someone else may be looking for a, re- a religion because I think the, the structure of a religion can help some people. Some people need to have some people can't just be good on their own. Right? Some people need they need something. They need a system. Yeah, I get it. Right. Some it, people need that. That's the problem. Though. But I, I think that it could be helpful. To have that a tool for some yes, people. to guide you, and I agree with and, that. But now, because of the behavior of this person, and this individual, gets, that person may not, you know, that's may where not it gets tricky. Because, like, you know, like there, there have been multiple preachers in this election cycle alone. I've seen said that God has revealed to me that this candidate is going to be our president of the United States, and you need to vote for him. Said that for Cruz. Said that for Donald Trump. Yep. You know, and like, here's the thing, like, 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 honestly, if you're thinking that God is whispering in your ear We're about any toast. of these candidates, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I, I, I nah, I just but can't. It's like, dude. a lot of times you can just throw God said, God told me, and people will just like, oh, they well. Just eat it up. And, and, okay. And, and, and to quote a line that I don't know, I think it's like, real house, who's going to check me, boo? Is that? Is that would that? be one, uh, she by Sheree Whitfield, oh, yeah. Real Housewives. Check of whatever. Me. I don't watch the show. I, like, do, I just, I just know the, the quote, but like, who's going, who's going. Who going to check exactly, me, like, I don't really like the contempt that you have for the show and you about to steal a line. Well, actually, the, that the contempt for the show is actually one of the reasons why I'm doing Flash Black Radio. <laughs> Real talk. This was born from that contempt. Real talk. Real I talk. wish I had known that before I agreed. Uh, <laughs> so you'll get over it, though. I ride with you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, hey, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure you love me more than you love Atlanta Housewives, even if it's just by a little bit. Even if it's like a close, slight, like neck, uh, neck and neck. 
I'm what? anti. I don't even I'm like anti. the fact that you acting that out over there. <laughs> I, I don't like that. I'm, I'm anti I all reality be, television. I, I don't like. love them. I just find them to be entertaining. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. And here's yeah, the I thing. Can, I'm, I can't go. I get it. that it's entertaining, but my 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 con, my bone of contention is there are so many people who have no understanding of who we are as a people, and they can easily misconstrue what they see on Atlanta Housewives for any one of us speaking on this on this on the show right now and think that that's how we get down and that's how we operate. And that's Perfect. my problem because there's no nuance and there's no dimension to these shows. It's drama. And they, they, they guys and they step it up and they put it under the guise of entertainment and reality TV. There's nothing real about it in my opinion. Right. I understand they're getting their money. When it's, it's really just casting casting us in the worst possible. Yeah, and, and like, it, that's, that's not really, not only really that, but they doing. have writers and they have producers who sit behind the screen and try to antagonize and like you know prompt people to do certain things and make certain statements right. so then they can create more drama. Like, oh, didn't you say this in this interview? Well, I did say that. So blah 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 blah. It's yeah. entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm yeah. unapologetic. I like all the uh, housewives except for well, Miami. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. At the same like time, at the same time, you I went don't to the, watch Mona. At, at the same time, you went to the African American History Museum and, and, and cultural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All weekend, I was there Saturday and Sunday. It was wonderful. There you go. It. So, like, immersing like, myself in all the you, you, you can round out the ratchetness. Mm-hmm. The thing. So I'm, I'm not judging. For but that's the that's the catch twenty two, right? Yeah. Is that you have you have some people who aren't. Like they aren't capable of that for whatever reason. Either they haven't had enough exposure or they haven't been taught properly or they've been able to do research on their own and they haven't. So they haven't educated themselves and they're ignorant. And so this stuff that they see is like that's how that's how they live their lives. They, yeah. they make decisions and they ca- they form perspectives and cast judgments based on what they see on television. Right? And you couple that with what you see in the media. Exactly. And you couple that with what you see, like, you know, in, the, in movies and all that good stuff, whatever. It tells a very consistent picture. Yeah. A very consistent story, rather. And yeah. that's it, the reason The narrative. Why it tells yeah. as, as a consistent narrative. Yeah. So I wish, I just wish that stuff didn't exist for that reason. And it's not like, you know... There's not like the stuff in history like that. That stuff happened, so there's nothing we can do. Like slavery happened, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's people are making this stuff now. You know, I'm not can, even mad. You that can it stop exists. making it. I'm not either. I'm <laughs> not. Here's the thing, and let, let me let me let me be very clear. I'm not mad it exists. I'm mad there's not a fair and accurate counterbalance to it. That's what I'm. I'm. That's what it's. It's kind of like when we were younger and we listened to hip hop, right? And there's a generation that was already entrenched in hip hop before we got here. So we're children of the 80s. We grew up in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s. I'm not going to date nobody. Right? So more than I just did. So uh, when we listened to hip hop, we had heard what the generation before us had heard from the elders. Basically, mm-hmm. there is no musicality in it. Y'all not saying anything. And quite frankly, it was just you didn't understand the drum. Right. You know what I'm saying? That there's like slave drum. Like there's messages in it if you understand how to interpret it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can say there's nothing in it. You know what I'm saying? And yes, I like, you know, like Onyx and Boot Camp and Wu Tang and all that stuff and like, you know, MOP, all that good stuff. But at the same time, I liked, you know, like Talib and Most and like, you know, we go down the list. I, li- I listen to everything hip hop related because that's just what got me going. So I liked all the new, and we had a balance. So you can listen to a tribe and you can listen to a cool G rap and be good. But now it's just like, you know, now it's kind of like art imitating life. So it's now like we are kind of getting towards that space where we're looking at the generation behind us and saying, y'all not really saying enough. 
Now we can't say all of them because there are a lot of out there. I like Chance the Rapper. I love and Chance the Rapper. That's what I was just about to say. Like, I like Kendrick. I like the, J. The Cole. So counterbalance. The counterbalances are there. Yeah, they right. exist on television. They exist in music. Mm-hmm. They just don't get the same attention. And that's they the don't problem. get the same shine. And that's the problem. Because people make and sell what's popular. Right. And Not people with- like what they're conditioned to like. So people, right. ignorance is a perpetual problem in, in this country in particular. It's all over the world. But in this country, we kind of like perfected ignorance, right? Yeah, and we're intentionally dumbing ourselves down. Exactly. It's easy to control. That's like they're making the education system, well, it's already bad. But they're making it worse intentionally. Exactly. I so think to make us like just workers. If you, if you make people ignorant and then you condition ignorant people to like particular things and then you make the thing you condition them to like, it's the perfect formula for fattening your own pockets. And I think that's what happens in industry in this com- in this country, regardless of what industry it is, right? That's why we have people pumping themselves full of, full of uh, poisonous foods, you know, and that's why we have people pumping themselves full of poisonous television and poisonous music, because that's what you do. You condition them to like the poison, and then they will beg you for it. <laughs> they will beg you right. for the poison and use it to kill themselves. That's why I say I wish it didn't exist. I wish poison didn't exist, basically. But Poison in, in was all such this. a classic song. <laughs> I thought you were going to say band. But, but um, even still. But, uh, like, here's the thing. If I had to pick between Poison the song and Poison the band. I'd be Poison Look, the song. I yeah. like a big button to smile as much as the next Never guy. trust it. All right. But you can't trust it. Never. Well, here's the thing. But like, here's the thing. Drive me out of my mind. on me. <laughs> Right, are you man. laughing at me? Yeah, we laughing. We're we, we all always laughing. We are all laughing. Yeah, yeah. We're like, like, we just weren't all audible. That's yeah. what that was. We had we had a lot of silent, like big, <laughs> big cheese grins over here, trying not trying not to blow out the microphone. Pour some at sugar. <laughs> Two times and a, and a dollop. Yeah, damn. Some high fructose yeah. corn syrup. She gets really specific. Like the, like the Popeyes lady. You pour some sugar on me, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it is a good song. If you're going to do <laughs> it, do it. Okay. All I right. love how we got to pour some sugar on me from religion. Hey, look. Hey, only, hey, only. Hey, hey. You with know, the usual suspect. Pour some holy water and then, you know. And then some sugar. Yeah, you turn into some sugar. Sugar yeah. water. You know, hey, there you go. <laughs> Which all, that's all wine really is because it hey. gets turned, you know. Hey. Hey. When you metabolize it, it gets some, turned into sugar. Get that fermentation going. There you go. This is true. It's true. All right. So, so all right, so, next? Uh, Chris, do you want to go next? Sure. So sure. Um, my topic is uh, Sunday, because today is Monday. So yesterday, uh, oh, by the, there was an By the way, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize. Today is Monday, November 7th, 2016. I'm supposed to say the date, so I'll, I'll, I'll add that. Yeah, you can just add that. Yeah. Yes. So on uh, Sunday night seven, at 7.44 um, <clears throat> Central Time on Sunday evening, a 5.0 uh, magnitude earthquake hit uh, Cushing, Oklahoma, and apparently it's done extensive damage, and um, it is directly related to uh, the whole uh, fracking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's... Uh, trying to look for the quote now. Okay. So Cushing has been uh, called the pipeline crossroads of the world. Um, And as of late October, it held more than 58 million barrels of oil. 
So I think what makes this relevant um, is that, you know, the Dakota Access Pipeline protest is going on and, um, you know, their primary concern, uh, the Dakota uh, protesters, is uh, water protecting, you know, water protection, protecting, you know, our water. water And I I think that that is important and I think that that's something we all need to think about. Um, I I know that's one of the biggest things that anti-fracking activists have been concerned about all across the country is um, the water. But I think one of the things that we don't really also think about is like what are we just doing to the earth in general and like not the environment on a pollution level but like they have destabilized the ground that they walk on fracking Mm -hmm. and you know um so because i'm overeducated one of the things that i learned when i was at gia is that the central United States, so the part where Oklahoma is, where all this natural gas is, South Dakota, North Dakota, all of these places in the central United States are on what um, geologists call a craton. So it is the oldest portion of the Earth's crust. It's in the middle of a tectonic plate, so it's not around any borders. There should be almost no seismic activity there at all. And they just had a 5.0 earthquake that totally, like, you know, devastated this whole town. So, first of all, we're lucky it didn't explode. I think that's one. Um, But I think the bigger thing is, like, what kind of damage long-term are we doing to our planet that we haven't even begun to think about in our quest to pull fossil fuels and pretty stones out of the ground. Because pretty stones do the same thing, not on this larger scale, but it's they do the same thing and it's still unnecessary or there is an alternative. Um, what are we doing and what are we... What do our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and the people that come after them think of us? I... Because ultimately they're stuck cleaning up this mess. No, you can go. I I really don't think that uh, when it comes to how going back to conditioning and and how we are wired, I think uh, capitalism supersedes common sense in so many regards. Um, Just to throw another level onto the whole Dakota access uh, protesters, um, it's not just their water supply because... um, What's going on is they want to run the pipeline through sovereign native land. That's that's also another issue. So they want to run oh, the. Uh, go ahead. I, I don't even begin to address that. Yeah, yeah. I was, but I was just gonna. I was gonna get. I was gonna. I, I feel like the average American totally doesn't even begin to comprehend the fact that like that's not America. I mean, I, it, it's it's like Monaco. Mm-hmm. You know, like Monaco is what in the middle of France or something like that. But but it's not France. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't think they even begin to understand sovereignty, and I think the amount of entitlement that the average American not even just white American, but the average American has, that the average American doesn't even, even black people, and, 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 and sadly, especially black people. And I say especially because, not that we are especially ignorant, but that there are fellow brown people that have a plight that we could all be allies in, and I find it especially sad that we don't even understand that, like, sovereignty and, like, 
the fact that there is no respect for their sovereignty is carried over, you know, into us in the fact that they don't have any respect for us, you know, and our rights as citizens. And that all comes back to, well, are people of color really American? Are we really citizens? Yeah, so I, so I don't even address the sovereignty issue. Well, no, I, I wanted to bring up the sovereignty issue because it's, it's, it's a, there's a unique wrinkle to that. Um, uh, you're, you're saying their 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 water, the the purity of their water is threatened because basically when you when you run a pipeline through, there's basically a lot of like I'm saying this not for you, Christy. I'm saying this for the listeners who might not be aware. Um, oh no, I get you. Right, right. So, and I'm not assuming that all the listeners are. I'm just saying for those who might not be. Um, when you do, when you run a pipeline, there's a lot of like sludge and things of that nature that come off, you know, basically as a process. So basically if that pipe ruptures, then it can just spill a whole bunch of like sludge and then you have to yeah, shut it off. Bunch of sediment. Right, right. So it can, and it's just waste. So it's just like, it can also, it could very much contaminate uh, their water supply, which is where they pull from. It's also sacred land. It's sovereign land. And the, the, the grimy thing about it is they could easily run it in a different direction, but they don't, don't want to take to. it through their land. They don't want to take it through their shit just in case it messes up. So mm-hmm. they, they'd rather run it through sovereign land and do it that way. So that's why I was bringing up that point. Um, but like I said, capitalism, I don't think like fracking and you look at fracking, it's like you're drilling straight down typically in traditional oil drilling and fracking, you're drilling sideways to find extra pockets of oil. So that's basically you're basically it's like Jenga. <laughs> you're you're, you're jingaing your whole situation. Jingaing, yeah, it's That's not a verb. just yeah. a matter of when. Yeah, pretty much. And I think they've also had other places where they fracked recently that have had minor earthquakes as well. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma has been like the motherload for earthquake oh. activity since they started. Yeah, fracking. like uh, it's o- been, Oklahoma earthquakes are the norm now. Yeah, when there was like barely any earthquake activity there. I mean, I I think. It, what I'm the example that is becoming very clear um, is and I don't know if I can say becoming because many people have been aware of this for many, many years that uh, ignorance is king in this country. We cater to ignorance in this country. I, and I've said this before on a previous uh, cast, a previous um, usual suspect session that we've recorded, but. Newt Gingrich went on national television after uh, one night of the Republican National Convention and said that he will take feelings over facts. Okay, that's one example. We, when LED lights started to become more popular, we have people who were angry about LED lights because they looked funny. They looked like spirals. And why should I be... Why should I have to get these weird spiral looking lights, even though they have like 30 times? I don't even know what the exact (laughs) uh, multiple is, but like 30 times the lifespan and cost a fraction (laughs) of the cost to power when compared to phosphorus lights. They also also sometimes carry mercury, which is, you know, they do. Granted, (laughs) granted. (laughs) There is that. But outside of that, I mean, technological improvements are not without their pitfalls. But you're talking about mercury. Pitfall was a great game, by the way. You're, You're talking about mercury. That isn't the argument that people were giving. Oh, no, the argument that. that people were giving was that they didn't like the way they looked and they were weird. Okay. They don't come on immediately when you turn on the light. Yeah, it's like 
so that's that's like the kind of ignorant ignorance just reigns supreme. Like Donald Trump went on television, is like going on television after the FBI went through Hillary Clinton's emails. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, not Hillary Clinton's emails. Went to Anthony Weiner's emails looking for stuff on Hillary Clinton. And however many emails there were, 650,000 emails. And Donald Trump says, because in his ignorant mind, there's no way to go through them all. Because in a day, in, his, in, a day. In, in, in his mind, there's, it's not possible for, for he's in his ignorant mind. He's seeing people at the computer reading all of these emails one of a time. Obviously, he has no idea what e-discovery is. He has no idea what technology-assisted review is. He has no idea idea what uh, predictive coding is. All of these things exist in the e-discovery, litigation support, technology world. But he's ignorant, and he's conducting himself with like his his ignorance, like preempts truth, fact, knowledge. I feel like a common theme here <laughs> for, know, this, right? for this particular show. <laughs> so it's like, is this ignorance reign supreme? And the problem is not that we have ignorant people in the country because you can deal with ignorance. It's slow and it's painful. You could deal with it over time. The problem is we cater to ignorance in this country. Like we, mm. there are certain people who are exploiting the ignorance for gain. And then everyone else is being is like tiptoeing around because they don't want to be offensive about it. Yeah, there are people who have problems with political correctness in this country, and but it's on the wrong side of the scale. They're politically correct when it comes to people being ignorant, and we shouldn't be. <laughs> we should be saying, let's make sure everybody has information. Let's have, make sure everybody is able to parse a nuanced concept. Let's let's educate people so that they're equipped to be able to do that. And then maybe they'll understand that, you know what? It doesn't matter if you uh, try to bring back a job to this country that's not going to come back anyway because a robot's doing it, all right? If you destroy your planet. There is no economy if there's no planet, all right? There's no tax revenue if there's no planet. That's too far away. But it's a nuanced point. And people, you have to, if you have to break something down to elements to be able to explain it to somebody, you're not going to be able to do it in this country. You're just not because the ignorance is too powerful. It runs deep. And some of it's willful. That's the other thing. You know, some of the people who are even capable of parsing like factual information, like they would rather not (laughs) because it would cause them to have to do something different to make a change. So they'd rather not parse the point. They'll be they'll be intellectually dishonest so that they can keep doing what they're Mm -hmm. doing. And, and I mean, that's a difficult, it's that cognitive dissonance like we were talking about earlier. Like no matter how much information you give them to refute what they already believe, they won't switch. They won't change their mind. They won't progress. Because yeah. it, where was President Obama on 9-11? Exactly. Why, uh, why I'm, I'm, I'm going to look into that. Did yeah. you see that, that clip? Yeah, with yeah. Jordan Klepper. Yeah. I love the way he does it too because it's like he'll, add, he'll like ask them a real ignorant question that they'll agree with. And, and, and then he'll ask them a bunch of questions where he kind of like breaks down their ignorance, but they don't get, they don't understand that that's what's happening <laughs> to them. I feel like, it, I feel like intelligent people, I feel like we bully ignorant people a lot, but they don't know. They don't know what's happening. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, We're bullying them with our intellect. Do, do, 
do we though? Do we like like? Am I responsible for your ignorance? Like, if you start a conversation with somebody who happens to know more about a topic that you started off on more than they do, like, is that my responsibility for your ignorance? Like, I feel like a lot of times ignorant people open up the conversation, mm-hmm. and then you like maybe have to like gently school them, and then they get like more entrenched, and then you just get like irritated, mm-hmm. and so. Like, I don't think it's so much bullying as it is irritation at, like, your intellectual laziness. And you know what? I get to be irritated by that. Well, you're an elitist. I'm informed, you can be too. You're you're an elitist. That's what you are, Christy. You you sound like an elitist. I'm absolutely an elitist. Absolutely. (laughs) I have no problem saying that at all. I read. Look, I I was telling a colleague at work today, this is just a perspective that I have. It may be right. It may be wrong. It's my perspective. It's my opinion. So this colleague of mine, he gives everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? He assumes that he has a perspective on how you do things with integrity and he approaches every situation with another person like they're going to have integrity. He's operating with the assumption that they're going to have integrity. And I told him today, I said, you need to accept the fact that you're actually better than some people. And I'm not saying you're I'm saying I'm not saying you're better than some people like, you know, people of one race are better than people of another race mm-hmm. or people of one class or people of one religion or culture are better. I'm saying that there are bad people in the world. There are horrible people. You know, there are people who are overtly racist. Uh, there are people who hurt children like they're not good people. You're better than those people. <laughs> you're a better person than they are. So well, it, what I was going to say is how often does that leave him looking foolish? <laughs> uh, frequently. Like he's had some he's had some bad situations where like he's been taken advantage of as a result. But he's just foolish. He, well, I mean, I that's, think he's I, I don't think you're foolish unless you never learn from it. And I think he's learned from it and he's adapted his behavior in recent okay. years to accommodate for it. But I can live with that. Okay, so we're going to uh, pivot to the next uh, topic. Uh, I'll, I'll take this one very quickly. So what I want to do is uh, I've actually been sitting on this for a couple weeks now. I, I just I was listening to uh, talk radio a couple weeks ago on the way into work, and I heard a story on talk radio. It's like, wow, that's kind of crazy. So, you know, when you hear something, you want to look up, look it up. Mm-hmm. Some people want to look it up. I like to look it up a lot of times. Do a little research. <laughs> little bit of research right and i and because basically the the talk show host uh who's joe madison i'm a big fan of Mm -hmm. as you you slim you already know um he he was saying you probably haven't heard this story and i hadn't but it's like you know i'm I'm gonna go here now he's like nobody else is reporting on it so i went and looked and i saw that other people reported on it so i saw that uh abc news had reported on it so i'm gonna i'm gonna read you very quickly what was reported uh because even though this is two weeks ago uh, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people who might listen to this were not familiar with the story. So mm-hmm. the headline is Crusaders member alerted to a group accused in Kansas targeting Somalis. Okay. And it says an anti-Muslim militia group in Kansas calling themselves the, uh, the Crusaders first came to the government's attention when one of its members claimed um, by the heightening talk, excuse me, um, alarmed by the heightening talk of violence contacted FBI agents and became a confidential source, prosecutors said. The new, details, the new details came Thursday in a government court filing in the case of three men accused of conspiring to detonate 
truck bombs at an apartment complex where 120 Somali immigrants live in the western Kansas meatpacking town of Garden City. The government wrote that the men, excuse me, the men, two of whom are due in court Friday and the third Monday, should stay behind bars until trial, blah, 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 blah. So it pretty much gives you that that, that information, right? So it goes to that and um, says, when Allen was arrested October 11th for allegedly beating his girlfriend, local authorities learned about his involvement with the Crusaders and the group's attack plans. Stein and Wright were arrested three days later. Okay, so it, it gives you like very basic details, right? So it's like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Like, hmm, that wow. And then like, this is uh, just for, uh, this is dated October 15th. That this, uh, that this news article is dated or whatever, but like I said, I heard about it a couple weeks ago. So somebody brought this up and now it's, I wasn't familiar with it. I'm gonna read you another story on the same situation. And I just wanted you to hear how crazy this information is. The first one I just read you was ABC News, mm-hmm. right? This one is not ABC News. I think this is a local paper. And the headline reads, and I'll, I'll post both of these links on the website. The headline reads, Kansas militia members aren't considered terrorists because they're not Muslim. Already starting off on a different note. Mm-hmm. Sub, subtitle reads, the, uh, the three white men plan to unleash a killing spree and to bomb a house of worship. What should we call them? Right? So it goes into a saying on Friday, the Federal Bureau of Investigation announced that it had arrested three white men. It gives the names who as part of the militia group called the Crusaders planned to bomb a housing complex and mosque in Garden City, Kansas. All sounding similar so far. Now let's get deep. Allen, Wright, and Stein had stockpiled 2,000 pounds of ammunition and numerous homemade bombs to conduct the, the attack. Their intended victims were Somali immigrants and information gathered by the FBI. Stein, the parent ringleader, told his followers, if you're a Muslim, I'm going to enjoy shooting you in the head. Stein also instructed his comrades or confederates, if you start using your bow on them cockroaches, make sure you, dig, um, that you dip them in pig's blood before you shoot them. The destruction and murder would have been total. Allen, Wright, and Stein planned to spare no one from their off, from their hateful wrath. Babies and children were to be killed along with adults. So I just want to let you know, like that first article mentioned nothing about how many rounds they had stockpiled. Mm-hmm. You know, like the tone of it was completely different or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those things that kind of frustrates me because this is, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two months ago. This is like something. Uh, and remember, this is October 15th, so this, like I told you, I heard about this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is still like when you're hearing Black Lives Matter, you know, being vilified and they're, they're terrorists and so forth and so right. on. Right. And this goes quietly under the radar, White dude. men are the biggest terrorists in this country. Hey. Regardless well, yeah. of what the media wants to call them. And that's how that's how you master. That's part of the narrative, right? Is is the mastering the false equivalent, right? Is what they do. So when you make false equivalents, equating things that are naturally actually not equal, it enables you to diminish the impact of what somebody does, right? So terrorism is terrorism by the definition of terrorism mm-hmm. all right but when you uh make a false a series of false false equivalents throughout american history mm-hmm. it just becomes the net of it that white americans can't be terrorists 
they just can't be terrorists, right? Is it, that's just not because they're, they're American. They're American, <laughs> so that negates because yeah. they're white yeah. Americans. No, no. But here's yeah. the thing: the, the, because they're American, because American is considered to be. I mean, that's just that man. Given. Is we're we're African American. We don't have. He to, is a patriot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have to. We we have he to self identify. Defending his home. Yeah. Oh, Against speaking of patriots, so those dudes uh, who held up the federal building—they were oh, acquitted. The bundies, they were acquitted. Yeah, the bundies, and they were acquitted. Yeah. They were acquitted of all charges. Yep. Mind After you, storming a federal they stole a federal building, they were armed and made demands. Armed occupiers. And they were not written on the palm of their hands. No, no. But mind you, shout out to Saul Williams. Love Mind you, the, the Native Americans in South Dakota, they get like on their own land. Yes, bitten dogs, by dogs. Yo, that, on they're them. locked in cages. Yo, that joint, they even that, hitting them with the hoses. Yeah, that joint looked like a remix of like Eyes on a Prize. Yep. I, I tweeted that not long ago. I think it looks like a remix of Eyes on a Prize. Like you know, like if you ever because they're fighting for the earth, but these they're fighting these for white their land men, too. It's not just the earth. These <laughs> white men took a federal building. Armed. of all charges. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they, they were, were armed. armed like a motherfucker. And they, said they're prepared to die. Only one of them died, but you know, they were they were all prepared to die, and then they were you know, acquitted. No, what a, no, no wrongdoing. Jury of peers. It was man. fine. It's a sweet thing. It was awesome. This is a great thing they did. All right, so I just wanted to read that article because I just thought that was interesting. Takia, you going back clean up? What's up? What you got? Um, so mine is from a couple of weeks ago. Also, um, are you all familiar with Deborah Danner? No. no. She is, she was a 66-year-old woman. Is this the mother of the, 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 the young dude? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Apologize. No problem. She was a 66-year-old woman in New York City who suffered from or was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And um, her, you, you with me now? Mm-hmm. Her sister called yeah. the police for help. That special four-letter word. And the police showed up. She had scissors, and they were like, hey, you know, they talked her down. She put the scissors down. She picked up a bat, and they shot her and killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, a long time ago, probably starting like in the 1950s, if I remember my mental health history right, um, America started deinstitutionalization because they thought it would be a great idea for people who had been living in psychiatric hospitals to go live in the community. Um, the problem is that now the police are the people who are responding to a lot of the mentally ill. So a lot of mental illness has been criminalized. There are a couple of other people, um, Alfred Olongo, the guy in California. It was That guy was having an argument with his sister. Yep, and she called the police for help. Yeah, yeah. And they shot him. Um, there was another lady, a Native American woman, Renee Davis, who had been suffering from depression. She called her boyfriend. He called the police for help. Um, because she said she wanted to kill herself. Uh, the police went in. They found her with guns, and they told her to put the guns down. She didn't, so they shot her. Didn't really balance out. Um, Michelle Shirley was suffering from, diagnosed with, I don't want to say suffering from, sorry, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And she was also killed by the police. So if you see a, a trend here. Uh, a study done by the Washington Post last year found that of the 462 police shootings that occurred in the first six months of 2015, which is an astronomical number in and of itself, 25% of the people involved in those shootings were suffering from some sort of mental or emotional crisis. There is a program that was developed in Memphis in 1988 um, 
I guess the crisis intervention team, CIT, which um, they have these, they, it's a 40-hour training that they do with police departments where they teach them how to deal with people who are having some sort of mental breakdown or they need just a, a, a de-escalation instead of uh, bullets. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this is only prevalent in about 15% of jurisdictions in the United States. Now, what's interesting about this is that they have specially trained people in New York City where Ms. Danner lived, but they are not first responders. So when you call for help and say someone, my sister, because this lady's, Miss Danner's sister called and said, you know, my sister needs to go to the hospital. So she's coming up the block. She's thinking, oh, the police are there. They're going to take my sister to the hospital. They've done this before. It's fine. It's cool. But those people didn't show up. She did, Miss Danner, she did a, um, she wrote a paper of some sort some years ago. And I'm just going to read something real quick from it. And she says, I have infrequently been given to self-doubt, but living with this disease causes me to. What if my medication fails me? I ask myself, will I know if it does? Will the illness overpower its effectiveness? When? Where? Will I be aware enough to notice if such an incident occurs? Will anyone notice? So because I work in mental health, obviously this kind of spoke to me, and it's a black woman who's been killed by the police. Um, so I was kind of trying to decide which direction I was going to go with this since um, another thing I read said that women are black women are killed at a rate of one per month in the United States. Um, so I was trying to decide if I was going to do women being killed or if I was going to do people suffering from mental illness being killed, which it's all wrong, just in case anyone was wondering. Um, so, yeah, that's how I little monologue. No, that's that's good stuff right there. Um I think that you wanna you wanna Well the the word I keyed on while you were speaking um about this very serious topic is uh de escalation. That's the word I keyed on. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt you real quick. No worries. Because one of the things that stood out to me is this program, even though it's supposed to be geared towards someone who's um, in a mental health crisis. De-escalation can be used at any time. It doesn't have to be just because somebody is, you know, I, I'm suffering from the symptoms of my schizophrenia, so we need to de-escalate. No, there are lots of situations where you can de-escalate where we then don't have to use bullets. I don't know if that's where you were. That's exactly going. where I was going. I was gonna, I was gonna say that you know, officers. Because you gave, you indicated like a small, very small percentage of jurisdictions 15%. that are trained uh, for de-escalation in these specific situations. And most, the culture in most police departments, and we're starting to get more insight into this now because we're in the digital age, right? So a lot of this information is being spread at a faster pace when we see these shootings occur, that most uh, officers are not trained in de-escalation. And if they are, it's a very small percentage of their training. So that means you're completely relying upon the personality of the officer as to whether or not a situation will be dis- and de-escalated. Bias. And their implicit bias, which we're starting to learn, uh, affects most people. It's a scientific phenomenon that affects most people. So you're not training cops to de-escalate in under 
uh, normal circumstances, let alone somebody uh, has a mental disorder, uh, a diagnosed mental disorder that if administratively things were as they should be um, and legislatively things were as they should be, maybe a cop would even know that before they went to the premises. Right. right? So but that's another topic altogether because de-escalation is not the primary thing it should be the primary thing. Cops are going into situations not armed with the training relying upon their own personalities and any bias they may be suffering. Let's from. wrap this up. And that's like, it's, yeah, because, I mean, if you're ridiculous. de-escalating, it takes some time. You don't just go in there like, hey, let's now, stop. And we're, we're seeing that cops are capable. Oh, yeah, they are it, capable right? of it. We're seeing it. situations where they come, they, they'll come, they'll be a white male. Wasn't it just recently armed. that? The, no, he jumped out the car and like crashed into a gas station, jumped out the car on fire, and then like and ran they refused the police to, to return fire. I can't even say which story because in There's 2016, so so I my personally saw like four stories where mm-hmm. there were armed white men mm-hmm. in the situations were de-escalated either with no gunfire. The dude that just ambushed two cops. Mm-hmm. Was or, just taken, just taken into custody. He wasn't killed. And the dude who was like sending bombs off in New York and New Jersey exactly. was taken into custody. Exactly. Meanwhile, people were laying on the ground with flat, flat on the back with their hands in the air, get shot in the leg. I don't know why I shot him. I, he said, "I don't know why I shot." Him. I was aiming for the other guy. He was, he was aiming. He said, "I was aiming for the other guy." I was aiming for the, uh, for the mentally, uh, the autistic. He was autistic. The, the autistic guy. Okay, he didn't know he was autistic at the time. Yeah. Um, I just want to piggyback on you because we have to wrap up. But I just want to piggyback on what you just said. Um, on top of what you're saying in terms of the implicit bias and the de-escalation aspect, there's also the training that they do receive. So for the the officers in Tulsa, where I can't remember the gentleman's because there have been so many black men who have been shot by the police, but the guy who was shot whose car broke down in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. um, uh, the woman shot him, although he, he he wasn't doing anything. He said he reached inside his car window, although they saw that the window was rolled up. We mm-hmm. showed it. That guy. Um, I'm, I apologize for not remembering his name, but again, there have been so many, so his name yeah. is escaping me right now. But um, they had, when I mean they, reportedly the police officers who were on the scene and in that department had just received training for people who are on drugs. So if you listen to the person in the choppers, like he looks like he's on PCP. That's a bad dude. So it's just kind of like, you know, that training, all of a sudden now their authorities are like, oh, he must be high. He must be on drugs. Mm-hmm. And that can also affect the way that you approach a situation. Yep. Because now you're anticipating something that might not be there. Maybe he was acting off. Maybe he was, you know, perhaps had some issues. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was just a distressed driver. We don't know. But there are so many elements that go into it. And here's the thing. I don't want to sound overly judgmental because I get that being a police officer has got to be a high-stress situation all the time. But there has to be a better way of how you approach this because it's unacceptable that so many of us are being shot, so many of us are being killed, and when we're seeing that there are ways to address the situation and de-escalation, obviously. And it's just not understanding. It's really just a disconnect. You obviously do not understand the people that you're supposed to be policing. And if you can't relate to them, and approach a situation without de-escalation in mind, maybe you shouldn't be doing the job. It's a high-pressure situation that you chose. And indeed, <laughs> I'm not. Oh, I don't dispute. I don't dispute that one bit. Here's the thing: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to alleviate any accountability on anybody's behalf. I get it. You're getting paid to do that. You're getting paid to serve and protect. Exactly. And and you know that's something that you took on. 
something that I personally am not willing to take on. Right. I respect anybody who puts on that badge and serves honorably. I don't care what type of like oath you took. If you took an oath to like you know pat somebody up in the hospital, go overseas and like you know serve our protect our freedoms. If you're wearing a uniform and you're serving honorably, I got nothing but admiration and respect for you. But the moment you sully that, problems. But this goes back to the first conversation about religion that it's the worst people that seem to to make the news. The worst people of well, not them. always because we had those terrorists that are not quite I'm talking about like the. <laughs> I talked about the police officers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those are the people that you. I, I agree with you. I'm sure there are some wonderful men and women who are serving honorably, um, but they kind of get lost. And even when those good stories come out, it's just like you're well, just bringing this up so we can forget about the 25 people y'all shot last week. And the blue wall of silence doesn't help that. Yeah, is what that's I'm saying. True. They that, have a they have a cover up culture, yeah. and if you have a cover up culture then we can't get to the bottom. We can't look at the, the numbers. We can't look at the raw numbers because there's so much, so much oh, cover Congress up. won't let you look at the numbers either. Neither will the NRA. Yeah. Like, I can't say, you know, I can't, people make the comment, most cops are good cops. My response to that is, I know good cops, mm -hmm. but I don't know most cops. Mm -hmm. So until you let me see some numbers, <laughs> like some tangible statistics, like some actual police reports that have been vetted, you've gotten to the bottom of these investigations to determine what happened. I can't go with most cops are good cops because I, I, I don't have any numbers to back up your statement that most cops are good cops. You can't just say I, as a throwaway statement, most cops are good cops if I can't verify that most cops are good cops. That's all I'm I saying. I think that you also have to look at all of the different ways in which the system fails and really have to question that statement. Mm. Mm. Just like numbers aside, because like, are you a good cop if you watch corruption mm -hmm. and rot? And do nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's going to be my point. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. Like, like to, to me, no, you can't be. You can be a good cop if you are a good cop and you're completely ignorant of what's going on around you. But then are you even a good cop then? Because as a cop, your job is to observe. And if you're not observing what's going on in your precinct, your your, your actual work environment, then like, eh. When I, was I, in... I, I just I can't support that statement. I believe that most good cops are good people. But I believe that like a lot of good people do fucked up shit in the course of their day um, to get a paycheck. And I want to believe alive. I want to believe or stay or, or, or stay alive. I need or some both. evidence. I think the, the other thing we have to remember is that many of the cops who are most famous for informing on their fellow officers for the fucked up shit that they're doing are like fearing for their lives. Right. When I was in Ontario, uh, I met a great, my wife, my wife and I met a great couple and he's worked in uh, the legal system and law enforcement. And I know we're running short on time, so I wanted to just get this story recorded. Um, and they were telling us about the police departments up there. And he was saying one of his very good friends, lifelong friend, is a cop. And he said they don't even pull their guns. He's pulled his gun, this friend that was a cop. He's pulled his gun once during his entire career. He said the paperwork for just pulling your gun out, not even firing, not even discharging the weapon is so intense. And I tell that story is, it's just a difference in culture. Mm -hmm. It's a complete difference in culture. You know, mm -hmm. they, they're all about de-escalation. 
uh, in right. Canadian jurisdictions. And here, that's just not the case. And I think we're seeing some manifest difference in having that culture. You know, you, know, you pull your gun, you shoot somebody, you're on administrative leave for two weeks, right. you get paid, you no go big. back to work. No biggie. And I think we also have a culture where uh, we watch a lot of movies where cowboys shoot them up and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. you watch something like Lethal Weapon. Where you know cops pull guns and they blow shit up and mm-hmm. you know, that's they cool. Right, they know, but they go right back to work. There is mm-hmm. no minutes like you watch Bad Boys and I, I, Bad Boys is entertaining. Martin and Will Smith are a good you know comedy duo. Yeah, but like nobody's gonna destroyed <laughs> all of Miami. Yeah, nobody's yeah. gonna do that and, and stay on the job. You know, like, like yeah, it's like and then like take it like a covert flight over to Cuba and do the same shit. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna happen. But. You know, that's right. I mean, but that's Yippee just Kaye. the expectation. And I think that's kind of like the gloss and glamour and the luster, if mm-hmm. you will, bring it back to you. Oh, your you world. bring it all the way back. Yeah, I bring mean, it full circle. Nothing, that's what we got to do. There's nothing glossy about de escalation. Well, I, I do de escalation all the time. I, didn't at work. Say it was. I, know, I know I'm yeah, agreeing with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. definitely She's agreeing with you. She's saying de escalation is not sexy. It's not sexy <laughs> at all. It, it is time consuming. It requires you to just like stop. It's going to take some significant time out of your hey, day. Samuel Jackson was in a movie called The Negotiator. It was quite good. I can <laughs> shoot you and move on to the next thing in like five minutes. There is that. Um, Not me, because I don't own a gun. Hey, in Canada, it's probably I probably good that you don't own a gun. It probably is. Yeah. I'm a six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound, twenty uh, pound black man, and in Ontario, Canada, police who didn't know me just waved and smiled at me and said good morning. It was a great experience. I didn't even know that was possible. Mm. That's why I'm moving to Canada. It's On that note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yo, we want to thank you for listening to another session of Shit You Might Have Missed. Hopefully that this has been informing for you. Again, today is November 7th, 2016. Vote tomorrow. And Indeed, indeed. The people have already voted by the time they hear this, most likely. Or vote tonight if, yeah. you, if you get it posted yeah, by so tomorrow. So you better have vote voted. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. You can't you, vote by tweet. Yeah. Did you vote? No, you, you can't, can't vote by tweet. Yeah, yeah. And please don't be complaining for the next however many days, months, weeks, years, and you ain't vote. Don't say so shit. Not There's also don't. local Absolutely elections. Don't. Yeah, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, to my left, I have Ms. Takia Richardson. Pew, pew, pew. Do you have uh do you have any a, a place you want people to follow you? Like, you know, Instagram, Twitter. Like stalk me? Like, well, I mean, like like it's all it's all I don't online. Twitter. No? Twitter? I don't Twitter. You don't Twitter? Okay. You don't tweet? I don't tweet. You don't okay. tweet. Uh to my right, I have Mr. Slim Williams. Hey, you can just find me as S-L-L-I-M Williams on Facebook, and I'm Big Slim on Twitter. I'm Big Slim on Instagram. Uh, pretty much Big Slim anywhere. Any Why don't you social go with media that outlet. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's always spelling Slim with two L's. You got to spell Slim with two L's. Right. Call me S-Double. All right. Slim. On the line, we have Ms. Christy Hunt. Hi, friends. I'm Incognito because social media requires, like, work. And I'm lazy. Okay. I'm just going to be honest. I ain't mad at you. All right. And I, ladies and gentlemen, and Da Vinci Parks, a.k.a. Lee Bennett III. You can, of course, find us on flashblackradio.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes or Google Play Music. Uh, Pull up the podcast and subscribe there. Please subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Your subscriptions help us continue to do what we do. Again, we appreciate your time. You're listening to us, and we will continue to bring you good stuff. Until next time, please stay blessed, and please be a blessing to others by, you know, being good people, all that good stuff. Peace. Deuces. Bye, friends. Don't vote if you're Republican.
Unless you're voting for McMullen. If your evangelical uh, voting turns you into a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs>